Welcome to Caregiving Club On Air. This podcast is dedicated to the millions of family caregivers who want wellness tips and self-care solutions, who seek expert advice, and who want news about healthy aging and how to create well home design in our forever homes. I'm Sherry Snelling, a corporate gerontologist, author, and educator, a TV interviewer, host, and news commentator. I'm joining you from Southern California, where our interviews and news take us all across the country to explore the many ways to help you on your caregiving journey and to lift you up here at Caregiving Club On Air. Welcome to Caregiving Club On Air and our episode on Healthy Aging Month, How to Train Our Bodies and Our Brains, World Gratitude Day, and also Ageless Fashion Week updates. I'm your host, Sherry Snelling, and we have a really packed episode for you today. In honor of September's National Healthy Aging Month, we have two great interviews, one with Henry Monka who is part of the team of Posit Science, who created the Brain HQ Brain Training Exercises. He's going to be here to tell us how to train our brains. And then also Mark Evans, who is the founder of Gentronics, which is using gamification to help all ages to uh, move more for health. And then, as I mentioned, we also are going to be honoring Fashion Week, which is happening in New York and Paris this month. And we have a really su- a great surprise guest, Kara Sumpton, who is the co-founder of Apparel Mark. And she has been a designer with Lululemon and Artesia. And she's also the lead designer for the Joe and Bella Adaptive Clothing Line. Now, as you probably remember, we talked to Jimmy Zola, who was the founder, uh, co-founder of Joe and Bella back in our uh, season two, episode nine. So if you want to check that out, but Kara is really going to talk to us about this ageless design and what inspired her to create clothing for older adults. And then, of course, it's World Gratitude Day on September 21st. So our Me Time Monday wellness hack at the end of this episode is going to focus on the color orange. Orange is the color that's most associated with gratitude and also other healthy properties. So we'll talk to you about that. And then International Podcast Day is on September 30th. So we want to do a shout out to all of our listeners of these podcasts and say we're grateful for you. That's our Gratitude Day message. But we're really grateful that you join us for these episodes to learn more about caregiving and healthful aging and also wellness. And then in Well Home Design News, we're going to focus on Falls Prevention Week which is coming up also um, in the middle of September. And we'll tell you uh, some of the ways to help prevent falls of our older loved ones at home. So with that, let's get started with our caregiver wellness news. So for our caregiver wellness news, we're actually going to keep our new segments in this episode a little shorter because we've got three really great interviews. But as I mentioned, September 21st is World Gratitude Day. So please check out our Me Time Monday wellness hack at the end of this episode. We're going to talk about how gratitude can make us healthier and happier and what the color orange has to do with um, those aspects of health and happiness. So check out that wellness hack at the end. And then, as I mentioned, we've got coming up um, after the first couple of interviews with 
uh, Mark and with um, Henry, we've got Kara Sumpton, who is the lead designer uh, for Joe and Bella's adaptive clothing line. And also she's, as I mentioned, she's a fashion designer. She's worked for Lululemon and, you know, other great lines that are out there. Um, and we're going to have her tell us about ageless fashion and her inspiration for older adults. And, you know, we thought we'd do this. It's kind of fun. It's fashion month, if you will. Uh, fashion Week in New York is actually um, on while I'm recording this, September 9th through the 13th. And um, Paris Fashion Week is at the end of the month, September 27th through October 3rd. So it's a great time to have Kara on, um, really telling us about what fashion and style looks like. Uh, particularly as we are getting older. And, you know, speaking of fashion, I just want to do a shout out because uh, 84-year-old Jane Fonda has collaborated with the H&M fashion retailer to create H&M Move. So as you know, Jane Fonda, very famous back in the 80s for her workout videos. Well, now she's collaborating on a line of athleisure wear with H&M. So you can check that out. And I think that that proves right there that fashion is ageless. So now we're going to go into our trio of fantastic interviews. We're going to start with Henry Monka, as I mentioned, of Posit Science and Brain HQ. He's going to talk to us about how important it is to exercise our brains. And then we're going to move right into our interview with Mark Evans of Gentronics, uh, who created a kind of a really gamification style of exercises that help people both who are older and may have joint pain or are rehabbing, but also for any ages. And we're going to talk a little bit to Mark about that. And then we'll have this wonderful interview with Kara, our fashion designer at the end. So I am really thrilled to have our next guest, who is Henry Monka from Posit Science and Brain HQ on. Um, hi, Henry. Uh, welcome to Caregiving Club on Air. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me on today. Yeah. And, you know, we've done some of these things together before being on panels and stuff, but it's exciting to have you talk to our listeners for our podcast. And tell us where we are actually talking to you from today. Uh, I am working from home on the west side of San Francisco, where it has finally cooled down after a short heat wave. So we're enjoying San Francisco weather the way the way we're supposed to. Nice and cool. Well, I, have you had any of the rain? I know we're we're waiting for thunderstorms here in Los Angeles. So uh, rain is not something we enjoy in Northern California today. <laughs> so I'm afraid to say. So well, as I said, send it my way. That's right. Exactly. Well, as I said, I'm thrilled to have you on because you are one of the foremost thought leaders and neuroscientists in, in, you know, our brains and how they work and how we can make them function a lot better. So I want to just get started and have you tell us a little bit about uh, Brain HQ, which is, you know, a lot of people talk about uh, brain training or brain games, and you really talk about this as exercise. So tell us about that. Uh, yeah, that, that's exactly right. You know, when we think about so what is Brain HQ? Brain HQ is a brain training program. And, you know, it comes out from the research that Posit Science co-founder, Dr. Michael Mersnick's lab, did around brain plasticity. And, you know, today's day and age, Sherry, we all know that the brain is plastic. You and I know the brain can change. Your listeners probably know that. But it's important to say that, hey, once upon a time, nobody knew that. You know, if you were to wind back the clock to, let's say, 1970 and ask any neuroscientist, how does the brain work, they all would 
said the same thing. Hey, the brain's like a computer chip. It's got wires that carry electricity. It processes information. That's what it is. And we all know that computer chips wear out after a while. And if they get damaged, you can't fix them. And that was everyone's view of the adult brain. The adult brain is hardwired. It wears out when you get old. If you break it, too bad. You're out of luck. And I think the single most exciting thing that came out of Mike Mersnick's, the, my, my PhD advisor, the co-founder of Posit Science, what came out of his lab was, hey, that's, that's a terrible idea. Try to never think that again. The brain is, in fact, a constantly adapting biological system. It's rewiring itself at all the time. When you're a baby, when you're a young adult, when you're an older adult, when you're healthy, when you're not so healthy, your brain is always rebuilding itself in response to what you ask it to do. And so the idea for Brain HQ came from that. You know, when Mike asked me to join the company, he said, hey, we've helped a lot of rats get better brains. We've helped a lot of monkeys get better brains. Don't you think it's about time to take the science of brain plasticity and help some people get better brains? And, <laughs> and that, was, that was a pretty good pitch, Sherry, I have to tell you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> uh, so, you know, so that's what we did. We took this science of how to rewire the brain to make information processing in the brain faster and more accurate. And we built that into computerized brain training exercises that just about anyone can do to improve their brain function and help them think faster, focus better, and remember more. And, you know, for us, we really draw the line between brain games and brain training in a pretty simple way. There's a million brain games you can open up your phone and look at. Um, some of them are even fun. But, you know, brain games haven't gone through gold standard randomized controlled trials to show that they work. You know, does Monopoly improve your memory? Uh, probably not. No one's ever done a trial. You know, do the brain games on a phone improve your memory? Also, probably not. Most of them have never been through a trial. But at Brain HQ, you know, we did that hard work with leading academic investigators from all over the country and all over the world to show that these brain training exercises really work. They improve memory and speed and attention. And that's been shown in more than 200 published papers at this point. Very exciting. Well, it is very exciting. And, you know, Henry, you make a really important distinction, I think. I think a lot of people think about, you know, quote unquote, brain training is, oh, I can, you know, do Sudoku or play a puzzle game or something like that. Uh, and you're saying <laughs> there really is a difference, right? And and it really does come down to the specifics of how the brain works and then how you're kind of working out that portion of the brain. So to, to explain that a little bit to us. Yeah, you're exactly right. And and so, you know, to understand how to build a better brain, we have to first understand, well, hey, what happens in the brain on the average as we get older? And what happens, as it turns out, is the brain gets noisier. You know, it's almost like listening to an old radio that kind of got off the signal a little bit and became staticky. It turns out that as we get older, and I should say, when I say older here, Sherry, the bad news is over about the age of 27. So, so, so I fit in that category. <laughs> uh, you, you and me both, I'm comfortable saying. Our our brain actually gets kind of this internal staticky noise. And, um, and uh, hey, that actually um, uh, slows down our brain. It makes memory harder. It makes attention harder. It's harder to think about things. And we all kind of know that that's true. You know, if, if you've ever been on a noisy bus talking to a friend, it's harder to pay attention to what they're saying. It's hard to remember what they say. It's hard to think about it. Noise hurts cognition. But as we get older, we get noise inside of our brain. But it turns out that what we learned from all those rats and monkeys back in the lab back in the day was, hey, we can, we can eliminate that noise. We can make brain information processing sharp and fast and accurate by training the brain to be fast and accurate. And so that's that's what we built in these brain HQ exercises is we train the brain to be to be fast and accurate in that way. And that's really what leads to the improvements in cognitive function that we see. Well, and you and I have joked when you talk about neuroplasticity, we were talking about so that thing that our parents told us when we went to college, don't drink too much because you kill your brain cells and never get them back. 
Actually, we could get them back, right? We can still work. No, it's great that you mentioned it because when I was in graduate school, that's what they taught us. Uh, I joined the lab at a time where lots of people did not believe the brain could change, except for Mike Mersnick. And certainly nobody believed that no neurons could be born. And I was told exactly that. Every time you have a drink, you're killing a few neurons and they're not coming back. But even that idea has changed. We now know that neurons are born in the adult human brain. In fact, they might be born pretty commonly. We're still trying to figure it out. But so, you know, so now that we know that neuroplasticity exists, we can think about putting to work. So how does that make um, different things different? So you asked about, uh, you know, crosswords and Sudoku, right? Or actually a very popular one these days is words with friends. Uh, not words with friends. That was popular three years ago. Wordle is what we're all Wordle, playing. Right. Right? right. right. And so, you know, people have asked me all the time, hey, is Wordle a brain training program? Is that going to improve my cognitive function? And the first answer, of course, is, well, no one's ever done a trial, so we don't know. But then the next answer is, hey, probably not, right? If what's causing memory and attention and speed and thinking problems we get older is that internal noise, and if we know that we can get rid of that noise by training the brain to be faster and more accurate, well, does Wordle train the brain to be faster and more accurate? And the answer is probably no, right? When you do Wordle, you know, you have all the time in the world to think, right? Right. Put in the answer and then you can sit back for an hour and go do something else and come back to it. You're not really training your brain to be fast. You're working in a very, very narrow realm of right, five-letter English words, right? Who knows if it's helping you with longer words or anything, one after the other. And so it is keeping your brain busy, exactly like you said, but it's probably not reorganizing your brain to be faster and more accurate in the way that we know that we need to, to see broader improvements in speed, attention, and memory. And this kind of work was really nicely shown by Tim Salthouse at University of Virginia. He actually looked at lots and lots of people, tens of thousands of people, and uh, asked them, hey, how many crossword puzzles do you do? And gave them a cognitive test. And what he saw was pretty interesting, which is that, hey, people who do crossword puzzles have better cognitive function. So that's exciting and promising, right? Should we all do crossword puzzles? Well, no, because if you look at people who do crossword puzzles compared to people who don't, they're both experiencing cognitive decline at exactly the same rate. So crossword puzzlers are not protective against cognitive decline. It's a selection effect. Hey, smart people like to do crossword puzzles, right? That's why people who do crossword puzzles do better on cognitive tests, but it's not changing their brain in such a way that's maintaining or preventive cognitive decline. To do that, we need to do something different. We need to really get inside and make the brain faster and more accurate. Well, and I, and I love that you talk about it. it is different from cognitive decline. I think a lot of us now are getting, you know, more in tune with the fact that our brain has to stay healthy. What are the things we can do? Exercise, nutrition, you know, the the traditionals, right? Yep. Um, but in terms of the types of games, I know that you've got certain exercises. I shouldn't call them games. Exercises. We don't call them games. Uh, games. You've got you've got exercises that can improve things that actually have shown to also help improve things like driving skills in older adults. And I know a lot of our listeners are concerned with parents maybe who are driving and they're older and, you know, just maybe their brain's a little bit fuzzier. They don't, you know, they're not as quick to respond to things. So give us a sense of what are the types of exercises that Brain HQ offers that helps with yeah, it's a great question. And, um, you know, a lot of people ask that question. And, you know, a common thing to ask a person to do is, well, maybe you should go back to driving school. 
But the science doesn't show that that helps very much. And that's because, hey, we don't forget how to drive. You know, we know how to make an entrance on a highway and, you know, we know what a stop sign is. So what's happening that makes us less safe a little bit as we get older? And it turns out it's these changes in brain information processing. As people get older, their visual speed slows down. Their attention actually kind of shrinks. So that as you're looking ahead, as you're doing when you're driving, you're focused on the car ahead of you, your attention and your ability to notice things in your peripheral vision goes down dramatically. And it actually turns out the most common kind of car crash for an older driver is what's called an intersection crash. The older driver enters the intersection and they get T-boned. And why do they get T-boned? Well, the driver says, I never saw him coming, but he was coming, right? It's right. just because your attention is not so great in your peripheral vision, you didn't see him coming into the intersection, so you entered it. So how can we make that better with brain training? Well, Brain HQ's got a lot of exercises that focus on visual speed and attention, and one of the better known ones is called double decision. This was actually an exercise that was invented by some uh, scientists funded by the NIH, Carlene Ball and Dan Runker. And uh, in this exercise, you're looking at a computer screen, and something appears in the center of your vision. It's a little car or a little truck. And you have to pay very careful attention attention to see which one it is because they're kind of confusing. So while all your attention is focused in the center of your vision, we also show a little road sign off in your peripheral vision. And you have to say, oh, did that occur at one o'clock or two o'clock or 10 o'clock? Now, if that image is up on the screen for 10 seconds, well, anyone can do it. You can just look around and oh, that one's a truck and there's the sign over there at 10 o'clock. But the genius of the exercise is, well, what if you make it fast? What if it's only on the screen for a, a short click second? Well, often, even if you can tell what's in the center of your vision, you don't notice where that thing is in your peripheral vision. And if you can notice, well, we're a little bit devilish. We make it a little bit faster the next time because we want to train your brain to be faster and more accurate. And what's been shown through this work, again, led by uh, Carlene and Dan, is that, hey, doing this exercise, first of all, we can dramatically improve visual speed and attention. We can make peripheral speed and attention in older adults almost as fast as it is in 30 and 40-year-olds. And then the effect of that is, is people are safer on the road. In a very large NIH-funded study, they showed about a 48% reduction in at-fault um, car crashes. Essentially, people noticed that thing in, out of the corner of their vision, and they did what they knew how to do, step on the brake, change a lane, all the good driving skills that we have, but their brain gave them the fast, accurate information they needed to take the right driving maneuver, and then they stayed safer as a result. And I think that shows us in general how rewiring the brain, which sounds kind of abstract, <laughs> <laughs> sharpening those kinds of cognitive skills can lead to better real-world performance. And in fact, that's what all of us want, right? We want a brain that lasts as long as our body. We've had so many health advances, advances. we know our bodies are going to keep on going, but we want our brains to keep on going while we're at it so we can do all the things we wanted to do in our lives. Absolutely. Well, and and to the to you know along those lines, I know that you've done a lot of work with different organizations like employers and the military, and I think uh, you even had a big fan in Tom Brady who was using your exercises to yeah, make sure he could stay, you know, keeping those Bowls. Super Bowls exactly, keep winning those Super Bowls. Hopefully next year. Uh, but you know, but also for individuals, I mean, this is really kind of ageless, right? I don't know if you do a lot of work with you know younger adults, but certainly I think as you said, over the age of you know our twenties. We're looking to make sure that we're staying healthy from the neck up as well as the, you know, from the neck down. And then for our older parents, we're also wanting to engage them. So, you know, this really works, right? Sometimes people ask me, Sherry, they say, um, hey, how old should I be before I start brain training? And I always come back and ask them the same question. Well, how old should you be when you start having a physical exercise program to take care of your body? 
right? Yeah. Do, you wait, do you wait till you're 65? No. Do you wait till you're <laughs> obese and sedentary? No, of course not, right? You have an exercise program throughout your life. And when you're a kid, you run around and play tag. And when you're a young person, maybe you're on a soccer team and you're middle-aged like me, you join a gym. Right. <laughs> now you get older and you do things like swims and steps, but you know, have it throughout your life. And, and, and cognitive training, you know, we're at the cusp of that revolution now where we're now understanding that, hey, brain health is a lifelong activity. You know, we're coming out of really the dark ages where we thought, well, the brain is just going to take care of itself. You know, you come back from the war with a traumatic brain injury, get back to work, buddy, right? Right. You have mental illness and your brain doesn't work. Well, too bad. You know, you get older, sit around and watch TV. You'll be fine. Right. We're moving out of that age, right? And we, <laughs> thankfully. About, yeah, thankfully. And we're now thinking about taking care of our brain at every age. And I think what the future is going to have is it's going to have us, you know, thinking about brain health um, with brain training, but then all the other things you mentioned as well. How does nutrition affect our brain health? How does uh, physical exercise affect our brain health? How does sleep and stress and social connections all affect our brain health? And we're going to be thinking about those things as helping us to build a better body, but also to build a better brain. And um, hey, whether we're three years old or 25 years old, whether we're living in the city or the country, you know, whether we have a PhD or whether we didn't finish high school, all those things, we're nonetheless going to think of, you know, how as a society can we build these habits and empower people to take care of their brains as well as we take care of their bodies? Because you know, that's how we're going to win the fight against Alzheimer's over time, right? Yeah. And drugs have had a really hard time, as as you and all of your listeners know. And, you know, it's my view and the view of a lot of other scientists in the field that we're going to, as we start to think about taking care of our brains and, and keeping them healthy throughout our life, that's the way that we're really going to, um, you know, really push down Alzheimer's rates and ensure that most of us have that chance at a full, healthy life. Absolutely. Kind of take it back under our own control with some of these lifestyle, you know, change, changes that we can make. You know, we've got just a couple more questions for you, Henry. The, sure. One is we hear so much about gamification of health, right? There's all this talk about game. And it's, I guess it's about using kind of a video game style or making things entertaining. Now your exercises are very entertaining, but what are your thoughts on this whole gamification of health? Does it really help engage people more in better, healthier behaviors? You know, I think there, so, so first of all, let me say, I love playing video games. I play a lot of video games. You know, I mentioned I play Wordle and I do that because my wife got into it, but I play, you know, games on the Xbox with my daughter and, you know, they're, they're a blast. I love them. I think there are good things to be drawn from that when we think about health applications like brain training, but there are also lessons that aren't so helpful. So when I think about the good parts that we can learn from games, you know, games have a really strong sense of progress. They have a really strong sense of gradual mastery, right? You always feel like, hey, I'm learning something, I'm getting better, I'm at a new plateau of performance, and I see that reflected in the game, right? So a good game will do that for you. Um, and I think brain training programs and health applications need to learn from that, right? They they shouldn't look like they were built by, you know, Dr. Frankenstein in a lab, right? They right. should have that, that humanistic sense of immediate progress and mastery and, and, and all these kinds of things. But I do think this whole field took a little bit of a wrong turn that it's only now recovering from, because I think, you know, starting, you know, maybe five or six years ago, people are like, oh, well, games are fun and people play a lot of games. So why don't we just make all of our, our apps into games, then people will play them as much as they play Wordle or Pac-Man or Overwatch right. or what have you. Right. And that was just a wrong turn for the whole field. And the reason for that is a motivational reason. Um, you know, if you want a person to do a brain training program, but you make it into a game, in the end, they're going to be doing it for the reasons that make it fun, not necessarily for the reasons that, you know, improve their brain performance. And that can end up meaning that they don't use the program in such a way that it improves their brain performance. Right. What we're doing is, you know, focused 
on earning more stars, unless you're very careful, they're going to use the program in such a way to earn stars rather than improve their brain performances. Right. <laughs> so I think it's really, really important to remember, hey, we're building brain training programs, learning from the best of um, video games about showing people progress, even if it's with stars, but, but not have that distract or take away from the underlying reason that people are there. They're there to improve their brain health. Right. And and that's why you kind of an exercise, which is why people do go to the gym, right? We don't go to the gym to win something. You know, we go to the gym to work out. And brain training programs can still be fun and engaging, right? I mean, Brain HQ is. I talk to people all the time who tell me that. Uh, And and that means we've drawn the best part from games in that sense. Uh, But at the same time, you know, we're not trying to build games exactly. And for people who want to go play games, well, they should go play games. There's a lot of great games on the market. Right, exactly. Well, Henry, I could talk to you all day. Uh, I'm a nerd for neuroscientists like yourself, as you know. So (laughs) I just enjoy these conversations so much. Tell my listeners where we can find out more about Brain HQ. And actually, I think you also offer a a, a few few free exercises that people can try out, right? Anyone who wants to try out what uh, what you and I have been talking about today, just go to www.brainhq.com. You can register for free. When you register, you're going to get a free exercise every day. Try it out. See if you like it. Uh, If you like it, you know, we hope you'll join us as a subscriber. It's uh, pretty inexpensive, about $8 a month when people buy a year. And um, really the best proven way in science right now to improve your brain health. So we're excited to be kind of, uh, you know, leading this revolution in all the ways we've talked about. Well, I was going to say to people, you know, does does your Peloton only cost $8 a month? Does your gym (laughs) membership only cost? Come on, folks, right? Let's get on board with this. This is great stuff. Uh, Well, Henry, again, thank you so much. Great to talk to you and learn so much from you about what's going on with our brains and how we can make them better. Thanks for having me on, Sherry. It's a pleasure. So I'm really excited to introduce my next guest, Mark Evan of Gentronics. And Mark and I actually recently met on a clubhouse chat, and I got um, a chance to hear him talk a little bit about what he's doing. And I thought it was so fascinating. Wanted to make sure I brought that to you, our our listeners. So Mark, it's really terrific to have you here today. Uh, Welcome to Caregiving Club on Air. Awesome. It's great to meet you, Cher. It's great to be here today as well. And and I also wanted to ask you, where are we talking to you from? You are reaching me today in the old port of Montreal, Quebec. Oh, wonderful! We've had we've had a couple of Canadians, so we love our our Canadian guests, and it's just wonderful to have you on today. So, awesome. Mark, you know, I, I thought what we could do is really just start with you giving our listeners an overview of what uh, Gentronics is all about. Okay, great. So Gentronics has been around for about 10 years. Uh, We've been developing uh, interactive gamify technology for therapeutic exercise for rehabilitation and healthy aging. And our technology is now used in, um, you know, hundreds of rehabilitation facilities around the world. And our whole approach to to the work we do comes from a a few insights around some of the, the biological and uh, psychological elements of wellness and the power of imagination and games uh, to bring the, the body and mind together in a really enriching and mutually reinforcing way. So, you know, a way that they, they, they can benefit each other. So everything we do. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was going to say, and that's kind of how you and I really connected with each other, because I think I was talking about that biopsychosocial framework. 
that we use in gerontology. And you were like, yeah, that's what we're doing. So it was really great to hear that. Right on. And I've actually been communicating that. I've sort of worked hard over the last week to internalize some of those insights and bring them to my team and kind of open up some vistas in terms of what we do and to go a little bit deeper in that. So for sure. So, so yeah, so everything we do is really about combining uh, video games, exercise and, and wellness. So, um, and, and our programs, like I mentioned, they're used in rehab settings, but also by people in their own homes on their own computers. So, um, our newest program is an app that you can actually download onto your laptop or iPad. You don't need any extra equipment to use it. And it's basically a, a whole set of video game experiences that track your movements that are themed around world travel experiences, but also really focused on the evidence based exercises for strength and balance for fall prevention. So you could be skiing the snowy oaks, the snowy slopes of the Italian Alps while doing key exercises for static standing balance and lower body strength. You could be cycling through the beautiful views of the Tour de France while working on dynamic standing balance, knee raises, and upper body strength. Or you could be uh, climbing the, the lush rock formations of Thailand while working on sidestepping and reaching. And these are just a few of examples of, of what we've done. And we're building more. And while you're doing all this, you're, we're tracking your performance. You can see your progress, see your personal best, and all sorts of uh, things like that. So. Well, and I love it. Yeah, you gave me a little um, entry into Gentronics, and I was able to test out a couple of things. And I think what's really wonderful too is that, you know, we think about this obviously for older adults, and you mentioned rehabilitation. Certainly, it's so instrumental in that, but also just in kind of prevention, right? For things like falls and improving your balance and all that. And I think it, because you adjust it to the user's you know, what their ability is. And so it can be very easy. I know that um, Carol, who's an occupational therapist, who is on Clubhouse with us, talked about it. She's very fit. She did the skiing and she said, it really, <laughs> it was really a workout for her. So you can kind of adjust that. And I think that's what's really so great. One of the things I wanted to make sure you mentioned, because my mom happens to be an avid gardener and she's got this beautiful English garden that she's, you know, kept all these years, but you have gardening also as, as part of this, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, everything that we developed, you know, it takes a, a lot of work to develop um, a piece of interactive content. And we try to really make sure that uh, everything we, we go into, everything we, we dive into, we dive into in a, in a really deep way and we before we do that we need to make sure we're going in the right direction so we have we are constantly in dialogue with the people who are using this program learning about them you know what is it that you love what gets you out of bed in the morning um you know you know deep questions about you know what drives them in their day and then we really try to play these up in these experiences that we're creating well, I'm definitely going to you know, get my mom involved in the gardening one <laughs> that we've got. So, um, you know, tell us a little bit, because one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on today is it, September, when this um, episode is is actually going to be posted, is um, Healthy Aging Month. And, you know, we talk so much about the gamification of health. That's kind of the terminology, right? And what you've really done is you've combined this wonderful entertainment, as you were mentioning, of video games with healthy behaviors, but tell us a little bit more about what is the science and what's behind this gamification of health? Why is it 
Why is it good for people to think that way? Yeah. So, you know, the science, it's, it starts with the, a lot of um, progress in, in the science of rehabilitation in, in general. So over the last maybe 15, 20, 25 years, we have discovered through numerous clinical studies that what we previously thought were hard limits to how much functional improvement was possible were actually not hard limits at all. So there's a significantly more distance that you can go in your functional progress. And these insights started in the area of neuroplasticity. So, you know, how the brain is able to, to change itself. But now we're also seeing the same principle at work in a broader context so around healthy aging in general. Uh, so just, uh, you know, what we previously thought were limits are now surmountable, but but it requires a lot of hard work. It's a tremendous commitment. And another key element of this is that there are really good exercise protocols for strain, for balance, for fall prevention out there. Um, you know, for example, there's the Otago fall prevention program that's been shown to reduce falls by 35%. If I recall, Tai Chi, moving for better balance, has been shown to reduce falls by about 55% in the studies. But the problem, though, is that these protocols only work when you when you do the program. And that's the that is what we found to be the main gap. So, um, you know, so just reviewing, there's the ability for the ability to change itself. There's the exercises out there that are the tools that if you do them, you really will see the change. But we're also seeing studies that show that are very clear that the adherence to people doing these exercises are about 15% among the adult population in general. So, uh, and a lot of the qualitative studies that are coming out are showing that the, the key barriers are around the, the boredom, the discomfort, the repetitiveness. So the conclusion that we that comes from all this is that people can't force themselves to do exercise against their will. And that goes for any form of, of wellness habit. And, and that is the real tricky thing. So in order to have a successful exercise or wellness habit, your, your whole person needs to be fully on board at every stage of the process. So for example, there's a part of you, the, the, the voice in your head, so to speak, that says, okay, I'm going to get up and do some exercise now. Uh, but then there's the voice in your head that there, you know, while you're in the middle of doing the exercise, the voice that might be saying, okay, keep it going, or they might be saying, all right, I'm so bored, when is this going to be over, right? That's probably and, what my, that's what my brain is usually saying during exercise. Right, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And so when it comes to these decisions around self-care, wellness, exercise, all these voices in your head, all these different parts of you, these different aspects, they need to be fully on board with what you're doing. So for example, you know, just imagine intuitively what happens when you're exercising and the voice in your head, instead of saying, I'm so bored, when is this over? The voice is saying, I got to get through this course. I got to beat my high score. Or, you know, I want to get to the top of this mountain so I could see the beautiful view and see the gorgeous fireworks celebrating my achievements. You know, how do you expect the person to perform in that state of mind? You know, and the evidence is clear that the outcomes are much, much better. So what we've done is we took the best, most clinically validated, scientifically backed exercises for healthy aging, and we turn them into 
video game experiencing, leveraging motion sensing, creating engaging, exciting, fun, motivating. These are positive experiences that resonate. And the idea is that they click with the, with the whole person. And that is why video games are so powerful because it creates a context for your body and your mind to get all on board towards the same goal, towards the same positive outcome. Well, and what I love about this is that it really, for me, when I hear you talk, it brings in that psychology of, you know, that, that biopsychosocial framework and the psychology part being that very often when we have to do exercising, whether it's because we're trying to, you know, have some weight loss or weight management or even for rehabilitation, it kind of reinforces that you have a problem and you're trying to fix or correct a problem. Whereas when you bring the entertainment value of the gamification in, all of a sudden it takes you outside of that problem. And now you're immersed in kind of this, like you said, you're these worlds where you're climbing a mountain or, you know, you're skiing the Alps or whatever. And and you you really start to forget. And it reminds me I did a, a study years and years ago because I've been around way too long and I was working with Nintendo and we actually did a study around we would provide video game carts for children who are getting chemotherapy treatment. And of course, that can be very painful. And what it did is when they could play the games while they were getting the treatment, it totally took their mind off the pain that they may have been experiencing. And it also empowered them because they were superheroes. You know, they were in the game and they were winning. So I just love that you've blended this and, you know, if you have any thoughts on that or what you've seen with the people who have used your, your program so far, do you, do you believe that that's really what they're getting out of this? Absolutely. Absolutely. We have one of our, our uh, star users, a person who's been um, working with us, uh, an, an older adult out of, from Pennsylvania. She's been, we get on zoom calls with her. She's very opinionated. She uses the program. She gives us a lot of feedback. Um, and she is someone who does not exercise whatsoever, not nothing, no how, only, only on our system does she, does she exercise. And for her, it's, uh, it's all about achieving the goals that, that were created by the context of, of the game itself. So for her, it's, it's all about getting out of her, um, you know, default mode with her body and her pain and kind of going to a place where she can really, um, uh, engage in challenges that uh, are, are not really accessible to her uh, w- without something that really takes her to another place. So uh, right. absolutely. And again, I love that you're doing, you know, you've got your traditional sports or, you know, those kind of, you know, really active activities, but then the gardening part, I really go back to that because I think you're really thinking about your audience and what what's going to bring them into this. Now you, I know you've had great success in working with rehabilitation centers and, you know, um, some skilled nursing um, communities and assisted living and all that, but you're also now doing a lot for the home. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing there for people who are at home, who are maybe a little bit more sedentary and we just want to get them up and moving. Right. So that was um, a big thing that we've been working on over the last couple of years and it's really driven by some really big uh, advances in technology that allows us to do this. Um, so now you can, what we do is part of our interactivity is, is motion sensing. So being able to um, perform an exercise and have your movements be translated into an, an avatar on the screen performing a, a similar movement. And then that's basically how the connection works between your exercise and the games. 
And the big technological advancement is the, is the ability to do um, high-end, good fidelity motion sensing, but without needing any extra equipment whatsoever. So it's a software-only solution. You can put it on your laptop. You can put it on your iPad. Um, you don't need any extra equipment to, to use it. And then we've developed this self-paced program. So there's an assessment. You do a self-assessment on the program to strength test. Um, the program is calibrated to your level of difficulty, and it's really designed to, to go deep. It's designed to be there and be part of your uh, wellness routine for, for the long term. So uh, right now we're calling it Gin Home. And um, it's going to have a, a new name soon as well, so I should mention that. But okay. uh, that's the new thing that uh, that we're bringing out to the world now. Uh, at this time, we're offering it free of charge, but by invitation only. So if people want to get on board and try out the program, give feedback, be part of the the journey. Uh, there's a definitely encourage people to to reach out to us, and uh, and we'll definitely send you an invite, and you can get up and running with the program in like 15 minutes or less, uh, you're going to be off to the races. Well, and what I love, because I think that's the the test that you sent me or you got me into the, the system that way to use it at home. And what I really enjoyed is because, again, a lot of your audience is going to be older adults who may not be as digitally savvy. There's a, a video tutorial that's really easy to follow and it explains this is what you're going to see on the screen, you know, be prepared to do this. So it doesn't just automatically, you know, like so many tech entrepreneurs feel they they miss that step. They don't really understand that they have to help guide their audience. So I really love that you guys really took the time to walk people through what's going to happen and, you know, make it really easy for people. Absolutely. And act Actually, when we were contemplating doing this, creating this program for home, a self-paced program that people can um, install and get up and running on their own, that was our biggest question mark. You know, can we do this? Is this feasible? Um, are, are people ready for this, uh, for something like this? And so when we were developing with a, a, a bit of uncertainty, because you don't know until you built it. Uh, we really were obsessed with the um, the question about usability, clarity, and making sure that everyone who's using the program um, could feel like they they know what's going on, they know where that where they're at, they feel oriented, they know what's coming up. Uh, there's no no big surprises and so forth. So every step of the way, and we really wanted to, this program to be, you know, have that experience for someone if, if they can just surf the net, you know, check the news uh, on their favorite website, then they should be able to use this program um, with that similar level of ease. That's what we were going for. Well, I think what you're doing is just really fantastic. And again, we kind of bonded over the whole wellness discussion that we were having in Clubhouse because it really is so much more than just kind of taking care of our bodies. You know, it's it's that whole immersion and, and going into the social side, this the psychological side. And I think we had a really great discussion around focusing more on wellness and less on kind of that health, you know, where we're trying to fix a problem. This is more about just a lifestyle um, right. thing right. that we can embrace. So, well, you know, um, so how can our listeners find you and would they be able to participate in this new home version that you're kind of test piloting right now? 
So, yeah, so if you're listening to this program, which I, I guess you are because you're hearing this, uh, you are personally invited to participate in this program um, and to reach out to us. There's a, a website, uh, home.gintronics.com. And uh, Sherry, I don't know if sure if you could put that in your show notes that people could uh, link sure to Sure, we will. We'll put, it, we'll put it up on the screen for our video version, and then we'll have it on our episode guide page as well, link to you guys. Awesome, awesome. And I'll also put my email address there. You can reach out to us through the website or through me. And you'll get a you'll get a nice response and an invitation, and it's just a few steps to get up and running. And you'll be trying the, uh, the cutting edge of uh, of wellness technology. So we'll be excited to have you on board. Well, Mark, it's just been a delight talking to you. Just very excited to see what you're doing, and we're going to be, you know, watching you closely with all the great things that you're bringing out. But thank you again for being on the podcast today and telling us about Gentronics. It was so great to be here. Thank you very much, Sherry. So I want to welcome Kara Sumson, who is the co-founder and lead designer for Apparel Mark, who is working with Joe and Bella on their latest line of clothing. So Kara, welcome. Hi. So nice to be with you today. Thank it's you great to talk to you too. We love your your background. It's absolutely perfect for fashion <laughs> design. Um, you know, I wanted you to first of all start with telling us a little bit about your background because you've really worked for some some really you know illustrious, well known brands in the fashion world. Um, so tell us a little bit about your background. Okay, yeah. So I'm based in Vancouver, Canada, and I got my start here working for Lululemon Athletica. Uh, I was there for eight years and designed for every category. So from men's to ladies yoga to running and all the different things. Um, after that, I started Apparel Mark and have been here for six years. And it's a company that me and my partner founded. And we help brands with their design development production. And we work with like small brand startups like Joe and Bella. But we sometimes work with bigger brands because we're based in Vancouver. And there's a lot of great brands here, such as Aritzia. I think most people know that brand. Um, and Arteric. So we're very lucky to have a lot of contacts and to get a lot of opportunity. So I've really had my hands in a lot of different things over the past 15 years or so. Well, that sounds fantastic. And, and you know, I'm sure it's beneficial to companies like Joe and Bella to have that kind of, you know, diverse background that you've got where you're still working on other areas of fashion. But tell me what interested you in, in working with the Joe and Bella team on the adaptive clothing line. Um, well, first of all, it's completely underserviced market. So I love, I love that, like being able to really be the pioneers in the space. Um, and I happen to have a grandmother and grandfather with dementia. And so I've personally experienced the hardships of dressing them and having my family be support for them. So it's like a topic that really resonates with me personally, but I'm able to bring in all the knowledge from working with, you know, modern athletic brands and be able to bring that into, um, a new marketplace that really hasn't even seen simple things like stretch fabrics or just, you know, some common, like softer, you know, easy to care for garments. So just being able to be that person to bring it together is really exciting. Well, and I know you work closely with, you know, the engineers because of course with adaptive clothing, there's, you know, certain placements of, of zippers and other things. So how does that process work when you're coming in with more of that, that fashion, that design aesthetic, but then needing it to, you know, do certain things and have certain function? Yeah, um, it comes down to my checklist. And it's very easy to remember. Fabric, fit, 
function, features, and fun. So when we're designing something, those are really like, okay, is it excellent in all of these categories? And a great design always is. And so it always starts with fabric and fit, and those are the key pillars, and everything else starts to fall into place. But that's the process of design. It can be broken down. And um, it's just really about hitting all those elements and thinking about what it's like at it, in your customer's shoes with that garment in mind. Yeah. And, you know, that's really interesting when you say kind of being in your customer's shoes. So with this audience who, you know, maybe they struggle a little bit with arthritis, they don't have the flexibility to put things on as easily or the dexterity, you know, with the buttons and all that. How do you test that out with certain people or how do you how do you design for that? Um, we bring in live models and so we design it and um, we do all the tech packs for it and we have a lot of different models and we had to source completely new models for Joe and Bella because um, as you get older your body shape changes so we couldn't use the same exact models that we use so we don't necessarily use someone who has who is above 80 but we try to bring in someone who's closer and and so we can get more accurate representation of like the fit so yeah we really get in there we had people putting on incontinence products I'm not sure if you know the terminologies and filling them and so we had people getting wet in the fitting (laughs) right (laughs) see how it works right literally getting your feet wet is like literally how it went down yeah right well and you know you mentioned your the fun fit fashion and all those things but I understand uh when I was talking to uh Jimmy and Ben that for you fabric is really really important tell me about that when it comes to your fashion designs um, okay, yeah. So as a designer, it's kind of like your first piece. So if you can think of like a restaurant and a chef, like why is the food good? It's probably because the ingredients are good. So it's the same thing. So when you're a designer, it's like you just you are all about your fabric because that's your that's your what you're working with. So having a good fabric dictates the fit, dictates the function. It's the first on the list. So um, being in this industry for as long as I have and working with these top brands, if we have an amazing fabric library, so to be able to bring that into this new market space is very exciting. So, uh, you know, we get really excited about fabric and how this fabric can lend to like new design opportunities for this market. Well, and you, you know, you mentioned up front that this has been a market, you know, people who, again, have certain, um, you know, limitations maybe when they're getting dressed, that's really been overlooked and, and not, you know, not really been addressed. So, you know, when it comes to fashion, um, how do you see this market? I mean, is it, do you see this as something like it's going to be typical that you have even, you know, different uh, themes for seasons, you know, fall versus spring fashion, all that. How is that going to work with this particular audience? Um, for us, we're just trying to think of like, we have, um, like a pillar. So we have our like stylish, um, adaptable and comfortable. And so we're kind of just building a collection to fit all those pillars. So what's stylish for me is different for what's stylish of someone who's 50, 60, 70, 80. So it's very different what you see as being stylish. So it has to be a certain level of polish for this market. And it has to be a little bit more classic. So that's what stylish is, you know, for this market. Also, when it comes to comfort, what's comfort for me is different for them. Like, uh, younger kids are wearing Lululemon all day. And, you know, my grandmother wouldn't wear that. So she, what's comfortable for her is different. So we have to consider that. And right. then for adaptive, it's like you, some days, depending on what, you know, how you are in your health, um, some days you're clearer than others. And so some days you can dress yourself and some days you can't. And so you have to consider that, um, flexibility with having assisted dressing or being able to get ready yourself and it has to be able to do both. So, 
Well, we're going to have some of the beautiful designs that you've created for Joe and Bella. And I think, you know, for, for anybody who doesn't know about this market, um, your designs are so far ahead of where, you know, the look of the clothing has been. It's really not been very, very fashionable, let's say. And uh, it, it really, you know, I looked at the pants and I'm like, oh, I want a pair of those. <laughs> They're just beautiful. Um, but, you know, in, in going forward, do you feel like there is more attention now to older adults? I mean, I thought it was really interesting recently that Jane Fonda has partnered up with H&M to do an H&M move kind of based off her old, you know, aerobics videos and that kind of persona that she had. Uh, we know Anna Wintour. It was the uh, the former chair uh, editor, I guess, of Vogue. I think she's still chairman or something. Is uh, seventy two years old. So, are, is fashion starting to say it's okay to be older and still be fashionable? I hope so. I mean, I just want to be inspired about how I look and show up until you know the moment I'm you know still here. So when I look like as a designer, I'm always looking at you know Carl Lagerfeld. There's some designers that have super long careers and. They were just as cool and stylish, you know, Anna Wintour is a great example. Um, so we are seeing that so much more. And I think also as women are getting progressing more in business and in career, they're showing up more, at, you know, older. And so you're still aspiring, you, you know, more and more. So I think that fashion will become even more ageless as we go on. I mean, certainly I'm an advocate for that. <laughs> I know me. I'm excited about it, too. So, you know, just to kind of wrap this up for our listeners, um, a lot of our listeners might be, you know, younger people who have older parents or grandparents. What what would be the last, you know, the kind of final message that you would give to them about looking at these kinds of designs and really understanding what's out there? Um, I think you'd want to look for things that are just ultimately very comfortable and have even a little bit of stretch to it. When I was looking at what was available, just even the stretch factor is not out there. So. Until Joe and Bella is big, you might have to, you know, go to Lululemon or go to something that offers a bit more flexibility because I feel like they'll be most comfortable in that. Plus, it's right. easy to care for. Like, you don't want to worry. You no one wants to pull out an iron anymore, especially for this type of product. So just easy care, um, comfort, and things that people feel comfortable in, like classic, you know, classic items. That's something I would be an advocate to buy. Yes. Anything that doesn't require an iron, I love. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's been a delight talking to you today. Thank you so much for sharing with us your design and, and fashion eye behind Joe and Bella's new line. Yay. Thanks for inviting me. This was so much fun. It was nice to meet you. So for our Well Home Design News, I'm going to focus on Falls Prevention Week, which is September 18th through the 24th. And according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, one in four older Americans fall each year, about 36 million adults, which result in about 3 million emergency room visits and unfortunately 29,000 deaths of older adults every year. You know, we had some recent news in the headlines of Ivana Trump, um, who recently fell at home and uh, unfortunately lost her life. Um, we also heard that at Ben Affleck's wedding to JLo, uh, which recently happened, his um, mom tripped uh, while they were at the wedding and she had to um, go to the ER. She's doing well. But I think these are, you know, high profile examples of how it really can happen to anyone anywhere. And we have to be aware of how we can prevent some of these things. Now, we know most of falls occur at home and 80% of these accidents occur in the bathroom. 
Um, so the bathroom becomes a real focus uh, for us who are uh, looking to help older adults stay in their homes, how we can adjust and adapt things in the bathroom to make it safer. Um, I also wanted to just recognize that, you know, a lot of older adults with early stage Alzheimer's who want to remain living at home, balance issues are uh, definitely a part of the disease progression. And this makes falls even more common within the Alzheimer's population. So, you know, I wrote an article about dementia-friendly home design, and you can check that out. We'll have a link on our episode guide page and also listen to our season one, episode one podcast, our very first one, uh, because we interviewed George Netcher, uh, who founded Safely You, and what his company offers are solutions to prevent falls for those who have dementia and Alzheimer's, uh, particularly living at home. So you can check that out. It's a really interesting interview. Um, I also wrote an article about falls prevention on the episode guide page, and you can check this out. And it has some really great links that we'll have to the National Council on Aging. Now, they coordinate fall prevention activities at senior centers across the country during falls prevention week, September 18th through the 24th. They also have an online assessment called Falls Free Checkup. Um, This is a really great tool. So if you might be concerned for an older parent or grandparent or even thinking about yourself, you can go take that online assessment. And then um, the Fall Prevention Center for Excellence, which is part of the USC Gerontology School, also has really terrific information and resources for families, as well as professionals who want to help older adults stay safe in their homes. So with that, now let's go to our Me Time Monday wellness hack, how the color orange is associated with gratitude and how gratitude helps us live happier and healthier. Welcome to the Me Time Monday wellness hack. This episode, we focus on our year of living colorfully and how orange is connected to gratitude, health, and happiness. World Gratitude Day is September 21st. It is a day of reflection and thanks. Many write letters or reach out to friends and family to express their gratitude for love and friendship. Gratitude is a type of superfood for the soul. Being grateful and practicing gratitude has shown to be our social glue. It keeps us kind, it makes us empathetic and optimistic by amplifying the good in life. It also rescues us from toxic feelings and strengthens our bonds with family, friends, and those we love. Gratitude is often associated with the color orange. Orange is also most associated with social connectivity. It represents vibrancy, energy, and fun, but also being thoughtful and considerate. Some feel the social connectivity of orange is tied to the American history when we celebrated Thanksgiving harvest with family and friends in the fall, when leaves had turned to orange and copper colors. Orange is also a color associated with heroes and a sense of mastery, as well as cheerfulness, being friendly, and being confident. Because orange is when we go from fall to winter, it is seen as a color associated with transitions and adaptability. It is a color most often used to help a person recover from disappointments, a wounded heart, or a blow to one's pride. Many color therapists recommend color breathing which can be very energizing. If you are feeling depressed, try breathing in orange to a count of seven. So think of your favorite orange object or scene pulling warmth into your body. Then breathing out to seven, 
in the complementary color of blue, which is associated with cleansing and calm. Orange is part of the warm tones of the color spectrum because, because it is the color most associated with the sun and with fire, both of which bring us warmth. Orange, such as coral and orange jade, were used in healing lungs and to increase energy levels and came to signify renewal. The meaning of the color orange is stimulating, vibrant, and flamboyant. While made up of red and yellow, it carries less aggression and fierceness than the color red due to its combination with the calming color of yellow. While orange is a common color associated with summer and the hot sun, it is also often associated with being a main color of harvest and autumn due to the changing color of the leaves and the pumpkins. Orange foods and surroundings stimulate the appetite. Orange is a common color found in citrus fruit and is often associated with vitamin C and a healthy diet. Foods with carotenoids, which have an orange or yellow gold color, um, decrease inflammation in the body and help prevent cancer because they are high in antioxidants. They keep our immune system strong, support vision health, and keep our skin healthy. Orange even stimulates the thyroid to boost metabolism. But it is also the color most associated with fall harvest foods, including pumpkins and yams, which also bring good health. We hope you enjoyed this explanation of the color orange during our Me Time Monday wellness hack. Each episode of our Caregiving Club on-air podcast features a new Me Time Monday wellness hack and you can also check out more great wellness articles from my upcoming book, Me Time Monday, the weekly wellness edit for a wonderful life. I'm Sherry Snelling, and I wish you all to take care and stay well. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Caregiving Club on air. Please listen to us on Spotify, Apple and Google podcasts and other listening channels. You can also check out all the resources and article links on our episode guide page at caregivingclub.com. We hit the podcast tab at the top. And you can email us with your questions or comments at podcast at caregivingclub.com. In honor of happy uh, International Podcast Day on September 30th, we just want to say thank you to all of our loyal podcast listeners. We're grateful for you. So stay well and take care. <laughs>